Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 289 of the MailRight Real Estate Marketing Podcast. I'm here with my amazing co-host, Jonathan Denwood, and today we're going to be talking about three different topics, all of which we feel are very timely and very important. So topic number one is what to do and what not to do in terms of major marketing decisions in the middle of a super overheated real estate market. Uh, and number two, John and I are both going to take each of us. There is a lot of conversation in the digital space about uh, basically consumer trackability, and it's hitting both Facebook and Google in different ways. Jonathan is going to share his viewpoints on the Facebook side, and I'm going to share my viewpoints on the Google side. We're really excited for the show today. We appreciate everybody tu tuning in. Jonathan, uh, if you'd like to give some additional information about yourself, that'd be great. Oh, that's great. Um, thanks um, for joining us on the show. If you're new to the show, I'm the founder of MailRiot, founder and CEO. MailRiot is a platform that offers a number of digital tools in one package. Um, we also utilize the power of Facebook to try, or we do, get you quality seller leads for your real estate business. Back over to you, Robert. All right, lovely. And uh, for those of you who don't already know me, and I think most of you do, but my name is Robert Newman. I am uh, one of the only SEO uh, experts in the country that focuses on real estate. And not only that, but I've been doing it for 14 years, which makes me one of the uh, more seasoned voices that you can listen to in terms of things that are related to organic or inbound marketing. And I've been around long enough to have seen the last market heat up, which is going to be uh, a nice segue into our first topic today, which is um, what to do and what not to do in the middle of just a crazy ass overheated market. So Jonathan, I'm curious to know, have you been having any of your sales conversations? Have any of the people that you've been talking to, have they started to tell you, oh, I only want to focus on seller leads? All, all of them. Okay. And I've been having the same experience. Every single realtor that's calling me right now is saying, oh, focus on sales, like focus on seller leads, focus on seller leads. And here's the thing. If you're talking to a guy like John, who is doing Facebook marketing and, and theoretically has an avenue or a channel that he can follow that might get you in front of a seller that is a direct advertising solution, that is certainly something that you could and should do. Okay. If you're going to go no, directly... No, re not really, Robert, because no? um, it's going to be a bit shorter than maybe using organic organic search um, or content management, whatever you want to call it. Um, but it's still going to, you know, you might be lucky. Some of those people might that come into that funnel through Facebook advertisement might be there ready to trigger but they might be more normally, a lot of them, you know, it's going to be like two months, three months, four months out, you know. Um, so it's going to be shorter, but what? in some ways it's the same problem, isn't it? You know, um, if you want seller leads right now, those seller leads will only come from the marketing activity that you've done like three months ago. Sure. Um, okay, well, that's a different perspective. I, that's not what I was expecting you to say. Um, so you wouldn't 
necessarily do seller leads if you're focused on Facebook marketing right now? Is that what I'm hearing you say? We are, but um, and they, you know, they do generate some right now. But I think, I think that this whole business about using, you know, direct market, you know, paid advertising. Um, I think in not in this particular industry, industry at this particular moment, I think saying that it's going to get people to do what it normally does to the extent that it normally done does would be a false sell. A false sale. Okay. All right. Uh, well, I would to agree some, with that. To, to some extent, because this market is so crazy at the present moment, so overheated, so in many areas, not all areas of America, but in many areas, it has got to the level of total madness that what would normally apply, I think, at the present moment, no longer applies. I would agree with that. So, ladies and gentlemen, what my experience has been, and and I manage a very large catalog of real estate websites, probably over maybe between 100 and 150 at this point. And I'm looking at these sites most of the time. And the traffic patterns are crazy because of COVID. And what I mean by that is that month to month, you've got different things happening on the sites. And that's very unusual. You always have seasonal elements that affect real estate websites and traffic, which in turn affects conversion on websites. Like, what do I mean by seasonal elements? Well, half my client base is in very cold parts of the US for half the year, such as anywhere in the East Coast or the South. So when it gets freezing cold outside, appointments and traffic, traffic goes up, but appointments go down, which is a weird thing. Summer comes and appointments go up, but the traffic on the site comes down because people aren't stuck in the house. And I've lived on the East Coast, so I know what that's like. For those of you who are listening to the show that are like in New York or Boston, what happens during the first sunny and warm day of the year? Because you all know it. Everybody gets out of the office building, takes long lunches or takes the day off and goes out and enjoys the day. That's what happens in those cities. Nobody is sitting inside their office and on their computers anymore. They're all outside enjoying the nice weather. And that's pretty typical of real estate and real estate traffic on real estate websites. And that, of course, as professionals who are doing marketing, that affects all of us. Well, guess what? Right now, what I'm seeing across all 150 sites is for some reason this month, traffic is wildly depressed, which probably has a lot to do with the vaccination rates in the U.S., and people finally being able to get out of the house and socialize. So there's that factor. There's also the factor of for every single house that I have in almost every single market, they're getting five, 10 offers on every single property. And so you've got such a high level of competition for each and every single property. There's a lot of people just getting frustrated and giving up. Additionally, you as a real estate agent are probably feeling like, oh my God, the competition is so high. It's so, so much hard work to get a buyer accepted to a house. It's a crazy amount of work right now for leads. And, uh, and I just want to slightly interrupt because I didn't understand. There was part of this market I didn't understand, Robert, but I listened to a few resources and now I think I've got a better understanding. I couldn't understand how people could like offer 20, 30, 40,000 over the asking price. Because I know for a fact that the lending standards for average people haven't been reduced, right? Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it could be. 
But then I found out institutional buyers have entered the market again, that there's there's group where they can, and these institutional um, either funds purposely developed to buy um, domestic home, domestic property, or funds, various different funds, and they have the opportunity to borrow money at rates that the average person wouldn't be able to borrow or or have access to finance. And I understand they've been entering the market because even though normally they wouldn't enter a market like this because they're bottom feeders, um, but the money's so cheap and it's, and the stock market is so inflated that they, they are they have actually entered a, even this market that is is red hot. They've still entered it to some degree. How truthful that is, I don't know, but that's what I've been hearing, Robert. Okay. And that's certainly another perspective, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take it back and just remind everybody what we're talking about, which is decisions you should and should not make inside of an overheated market. So what John and I are describing is strange traffic patterns, okay, unusual circumstances where even financial and institutional people are entering a market, overheated overheated actions inside your local marketplaces. For all those people listening to the show, most of you are going to be nodding your heads along with this, going, "Oh yeah, we're seeing that." So what shouldn't shouldn't you do in terms of your marketing? John is saying, hey, things are slow to difficult with the direct marketing side. And I'm here to tell you that I'm turning away most of the campaigns that come to me that are talking about seller-only leads, not because I we can't do a campaign, but because SEO is a slow build and, and it's going to take six to 12 months. Now, we could do PPC. We could do direct marketing into really good content on a site. Um the challenge that you're going to have is that everybody and their brother right now is fishing around for these seller leads. And of course they exist and you can get them. But in terms of making long-term decisions, in my opinion, right now is probably the last moment that you want to be looking at your long-term marketing decisions. The market is just simply too unpredictable. We're using other language, but we're saying it's hot. We're saying it's this. It, you know what? When you're going to make a decision that's going to last you three years or two years, by two years from now, we're probably going to be in a wildly different real estate marketplace. I mean, dramatically different, 50 to 100%. Well, yeah, like a huge percentage different. Would you agree with that, John? Well, the, the difficult thing, and we've discussed this, is that it, it's it's been controlled by forces outside normal economical patterns. This has become a political quasi-economical issue with, you know, you know, which is being controlled by the Fed and by federal government, isn't it? You know, Biden has introduced, I understand he's talking about putting in a bar for repossession for until um until next year you know um then there's the amount of liquidity that's been pumped into 
the national um, system, which is sizable, the, these these are all factors that are kind of outside the norm, aren't they, Robert? These these factors are highly outside the norm. So, ladies and gentlemen, like like I am loving. I I don't want anybody to to miscollect. Right now is a like for me and the people that I'm talking to is a perfect time to make uh like for me in the SEO business, it's a perfect time to make a long-term decision because while the market won't be stabilized today, by the time SEO and and like a properly optimized site is kicking in, it, it the chances are like supremely high that at that moment, the market would stabilize. And because everything is so uncertain and you'd have a hard time, like when somebody calls me and says, well, where should I park my money? And I do get that question a lot from very big agents and very big brokers. Like, where do I go with my money? I'm usually going to, like, I've been scratching my head and going, well, I don't like any of the major services right now. I don't like Zillow. I don't like, um, you know, the best thing that you, um, so the best thing that, that you could do is stay away. Like, the all these guys are get like these marketing companies are getting an additional budget from their biggest clients. They're getting more and more money from people as they try to keep their numbers high in this overheated market because they have the budget to do so. And the smaller guy is getting squeezed because he can't keep up with these really big spenders. He just can't. So you're up against all these people with bigger pocketbooks in every single market that you're looking at. So what do you do? There aren't that many great choices, and, and this sounds like a shameless plug, but either find small operators like me and John that can pay a lot more personal attention. And by the way, I want to be clear. I'm not promising that even that is a perfect strategy. We, we were not magic workers. What you don't want to do is give an unlimited budget to people that have, have your marketing campaign on autopilot, in my opinion. That will not be – you will see a highly diminished return on your money, in my opinion. Um, well, ahead, we are John. having we are having to spend more time. We do. I wouldn't say none of our campaigns on an automatic. We twig them for the for the for the agent. We have a library of different campaigns that normally work. But in this particular environment, if they if they really insisting, we're having to spend more time on on individual campaigns that might appeal to their local market um, and spend a bit more time on those campaigns. It's just because it's just that because we're in such an unusual scenario, aren't we? You know, um, this, this you know, going to repeat myself, this is a crazy market. You know, this is really, this has gone beyond... Really, this has gone beyond what we saw in 2005 up to 2007. Right. So so I want to wrap up this part of the podcast and move on yeah. to our other topics because I feel like it's going to take us a while to discuss this stuff. But here's, here's where I fall, ladies and gentlemen. John can weigh in if he thinks I get any of this wrong. But for me personally, I would say for all of those people that are already involved in marketing agreements – now is the time to call your provider and double check the details of these agreements. Make sure that your budget is being spent wisely. Make sure that you are not over-investing in, in diminished returns. Make sure that if you are investing your money someplace that, that maybe you have a strategy in place 
like you might not be getting a lot of conversion right now as an example, but maybe like, like in terms of ROI, but maybe you've got something in place that is collecting you a lot of names and numbers. Well, that is going to pay you for sure Ooh. at some point. Yeah. So you want to make sure that what you're doing is you're looking at your second and third tier marketing efforts, such as your email campaigns and, and are you nurturing these leads the right way? So that would be what I would be doing in today's market. I would be checking my agreement, looking like looking at everything twice, making sure that my nurturing systems were in place because you may not be getting calls no matter what you do right now. It may, it may not be possible in the market that you're in. I have clients like that, no matter what well, you're doing. Is, just to finish off, because we need to go for it, I totally agree with what you just said, but we've got to be realistic here. It swings roundabouts. Yeah, you're going to get less commission checks, but those commission checks that you do get are going to be nice. You know, right. you know, you can't be, you can't, you can't expect the volume in 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 what we're seeing at the present moment, because there just isn't there just isn't the homes on the market. You know, a lot of people, because they don't want people looking around their house that might have the virus, and also they think, well, if we sell this house, where are we going to move? You know, uh, um, they're the two fundamental things that stopping people, and and the new home. Um, production has ceased, you know, they can't get raw materials. So new housing has stopped basically in many areas. And so all that all that demand has gone into into the second secondary market. Well, it's on fire, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. So ladies and gentlemen, those those are John and I's thoughts about making marketing decisions inside an overheated market. We're going to go to our break. And when we come back, we're going to discuss uh, the recent changes in privacy laws as it relates to cookies and the way that both Facebook and Google collect data, which, by the way, is going to affect digital, in my opinion. And we're, John and I are going to discuss from each of our ends about, because he's he focuses on Facebook and I focus on Google. So we're each going to talk about our end of that. So stay tuned. We're looking forward to uh, uh, <laughs> we're looking forward to talking to you at the second half of the show. Do you want quality leads from homeowners and buyers right in your own neighborhood? Then you need MailRight. It is a powerful but easy to use online marketing system that uses Facebook to generate real estate leads at a fraction of the cost you'd pay from our competition. We stand behind our work with a no question asked 30-day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Get started today. Go to mail-right.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You are enjoying the MailRight podcast, which it talks about real estate marketing. I'm here with my amazing co-host, Jonathan Dinwood. And the second part of our show is going to be dedicated to uh, discussing the recent changes in privacy laws as it relates to both Facebook and Google. So, John, why don't you start us off? Yeah, it's just that, you know, OS 14 for the iPhone, the iPad and um, has come out in that um, Apple have decided that they're going to put pop-ups, you know, when, when you're utilising the Facebook app, um, other like um, Instagram, you know, everything that Facebook owns, um, 
they're putting warning they're putting up warning messages and you have to go in in to the settings of your phone and um, activate elements that would allow Facebook to retrieve data, you know, which they need to be able to have their marketing platform be effective. So it's a knife straight at the heart of Facebook, you know, um, seemingly Tim and Mark had some conversations um, uh, at the end of last year, which didn't go that well. Um, they refute that it was a person. It was a personal bust up. Um, other people in in the, the know say that there is personal animosity between Tim and Mark. Um, I know this is ridiculous because we're talking about two enormous organisations, but business is always about emotion and personality. Um, but what's driving that essence, um, that conflict is basically Apple has a certain attitude towards private information and Facebook has a certain attitude that's been driven by Mark. Um, I don't think Facebook have, have responded to this very well. Mm-hmm. I, I think they should have been a bit more laid back about it and just pointed out to people that when they had support tickets and people complaining um, saying, well, you know, it's Apple doing this, you need to go in and change these settings. Um, the whole question about what data Facebook is collecting and that, to me, is extremely interesting, but I think for the majority of people that use Facebook, they're extremely blasted, you know, and I'm saying this as somebody that markets Facebook, but I think most people's attitude towards um, what Facebook is connecting is rather blasé, but on the other hand, I, I have a blasé attitude towards it, but it's based on something I think is probably a little bit more unique. I, I actually consider the American government is is already collecting all this data in the background anyway. What what a private company like Facebook does is nothing compared to what the American security services are doing, which um, Snowden pointed out. Um, And the American people have been very blasé about what Snowden basically told us that the American government is collecting everything we do online and storing it and and keeping it. So I'm not that worried what some what a private company like Facebook is doing, Robert. Okay. Well uh all right. I think that the more you know about um the more you know about like online and the way that that people collect information, the more that you understand 
it's a double-edged sword. So for every single person listening to this show, you're probably a working real estate professional. And many of you, like myself, probably don't really like the idea or appreciate the idea of your personal information being tracked and collected. But we all accept it, especially if you're a real estate agent, because your name and your phone number are out there so many damn different times. You have little choice but to accept the fact that you could be scooped up and scraped. And every single realtor I talk to is saying that they're getting 20, 30 offers a day from people, emails, text messages, phone calls. I believe it because your information in in most cases is public. And so you got to, and in many cases, you survive on your information being public. So we all consider these collection of information to be a necessary evil. In my opinion, in terms of the necessary evils, I think that uh, um, coming from a top-down way, I think that Mark Zuckerberg is willing to go farther than most business owners in collecting data. Does that make me feel comfortable as, as an individual? No. Does it, does it distress me higher or lower? Not really. I prefer Google. I prefer their collection policies. But is that to say that they are not collecting data? Of course they're collecting data. They're, they're just not quite as egregious about it as, as Facebook is. Uh, I, I, I think you've put that really well, actually. I think Mark is his worst enemy. He's not somebody that I personally am attracted to. It, what, you know, I have no personal content, contact with the person. I actually do know some people that have actually met him and actually have worked underneath, underneath him mm-hmm. in reasonably senior positions. And what they've told me in private is not that attractive, Robert. Sure. And I've been in the tech industry long enough and had similar experiences, people that I know. And and in the messaging that I get is that this is not necessarily human of the of the in, in the, that shares the quality traits of people that I respect and admire. And 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 I'm I, I am doing my best because both we're online and because everybody deserves their own fair shake, in my opinion. Like so, and I've never met the man personally. I will say that when I look at his business decisions and his long track record of public stuff, I'm not in admiration of most of these decisions. I don't like the way that Facebook was started. I don't think it was ethical. I wouldn't have done it the same way. But you know what? He's made billions of dollars and he's been super successful. And here's what's more important to all of us listening to the show. I don't think that you care or if I get on a soapbox or not. I do think that what the commentary is about the tool is that since Facebook was so effective at collecting so much information, if this the at each time that they get their hands slapped by organizations that slap hands, I think it's more impactful than other types of advertising because they did collect so much data and they did get so good at separating their audiences and they're looking at all sorts of of things that that like audience categories has already been impacted. Like, are you a young woman over the age of fifteen? You know, whatever it is. Like, there's so many different variations of data that they collected. That if you are an advertiser, Facebook has been somewhat of a dream because you could you could target your exact audience almost down to a finite detail because of Facebook's super aggressive information collection policies. And as a marketer. That's got to be very attractive because you can target your audience so definitively. But each time they they change, they they have to change their rules, their targeting becomes a little broader. Would you agree with that? 
Yeah, it would have been forced, forced down there, haven't they? Right. Screaming, so, screaming and then kicking down there. Right, which just probably means that people who are using Facebook are going to have to be more creative as advertisers, get more into the commercial building business than just the straight up targeting business. And what do I mean by that? You have to get a little more clever about your advertisements and, you know, things like of that nature. Um, get, you know, become more involved in, in like a, a catchy ad because you're going to be appealing to a broader audience. So the only way to define the audience is to do what TV has been doing for so long, which is creating really good, broader messages that subtly appeal to the audience that they want. Now, the problem is creating these messages tends to take more time and effort. And that means more cost to advertisers. But that really digital is just being backed off. Go ahead. Oh, you're not raising your hand? Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, I'm just scratching it. Sorry. Oh, my bad. Um, What what were you going to say, though? It's a two-edged sword. I I think, surprisingly, you can still have... uh, We we encourage, um, especially... The wording is there's certain there's certain adverts that still work around a, a property that comes on the market, which will appeal that will get people's interest about supplying the right level of info in the ad, advert, but not all the info. Because why then would they be moving to a landing page? They're still they're still very effective, but then but you know, a lot of people don't have a lot of property at the present moment. So that's why you've got to get a bit more creative. You know, we're big, I'm a big mover towards video, you know, but a lot of agents don't like making videos. Well, um, those that are prepared to work with us and do some video and and be part of, of the Facebook advert and of the landing page, they're getting much better results in this type of market at the present moment, Robert. So, but there's not much Facebook can do. Um, the only good thing about Facebook is I don't, I, I think the majority of people that are using Facebook and especially Instagram, because that's still growing, you know, that, 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 is just a juggernaut that's still growing, growing. The growth in Facebook itself has slowed, but Instagram is just a juggernaut. And um, what Apple is doing, I think to those that people like me, it's, it's really interesting, but I think for the bulk of people that use Facebook, I, I I just don't think they're that interested, really. Well, um, I I think that's true too, and we can definitely delve a little bit deeper into that. But but Google is also facing its own set of privacy issues right now. How close are we to the thirty minute mark, John? John, how close are we to the thirty minute mark? Yeah, we're getting close to it, so we really need to. Uh, um, wrap up and maybe have some bonus content, Robert. Right. Let's do 10 minutes of bonus content and I'll talk a little bit about Google. Okay. Um, and um, we'll, we'll go from there. So for those of you who've been tuning into the podcast, uh, listen, um, John and I are just two little entrepreneurs, two independent guys, 
and we do our best to provide as much valuable information as we can. But you know what? Always we're asking for this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this appeal again. If any of you have some thoughts about uh, show topics that you'd like us to to do, either you can tune into the live or, or find some of our shows on our Facebook pages. Really just drop us a comment on any public channel, and John and I are both wildly findable. You can find him on the MailRite website. You can find me on the Inbound REM web- website. And if all you want to do is, is say to either one of us, hey, I listened to your podcast podcast and and I would love to hear you guys talk about this. I I know I would be very open to that. I suspect that John would be too. And uh, neither one of us will, will hound you for any kind of marketing service. We just want to try to make the show better for the people listening to it. So thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, my amazing co-host, um, I'm going to let him give his um, his contact information for anybody that wants to uh, to chase him down and talk about Facebook. Uh, I strongly recommend for those listening that you do consider a consultation. I, I'm not even necessarily going to tell you that I'm going to recommend that now is the time to pull the trigger, but you really should be talking to people that have a good understanding. John is an excellent resource that I recommend him strongly if you can get him on the phone. So John, go ahead and say... You. I recommend you as well, Robert, but... Um, I think this is the time. I, I think this is time to be talking to people. And if you've got the budget to start off your working with a particular vendor like Robert or myself, it's a great time because those that sow, sow the seeds in the next four or five months are going to get a fantastic return. I agree with what you just said. If, you, if you're with a present vendor and you're spending quite a bit of money, this is the time to really talk to the provider and see how that money's been spent. I, I think you've got to be realistic. You're, well, whoever you're spending your money with, this is a really unusual market uh, and you've got to be realistic. But on the same time, this is, you know, as long as you've been reasonably effective before this crazy market, you should still be doing reasonably well. This is not the time to start jumping ship and start running around in a panic. This is this is a time to make sure that your systems, the way you look after your clientele, the way you keep in contact with your clientele is the best that you can provide, isn't it? It's not a time to be running around like a headless chicken, is it, Robert? Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. So John and I would love to have the conversation with you, ladies and gentlemen. I would also offer up my time and try to give the best advice I can. Um, I am I am a cautious uh, marketer. Like, well, believe it or not, I don't, I don't go overboard with my recommendations to people, even when it's, when it's them using other services and when them it's using my services. It is a very significant thing to make large commitments to marketing companies. We have to be sure about what we're doing and when we're doing it and what the timing is and where the budget is going and what the predicted ROI is and all those different things. So by all means, leverage either one of us to have those conversations. You can do so with me at inboundrem.com and you can just go to my contact form and I usually respond within three or four hours. Um, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in. For those of you who are interested, please stay with us. I'm going to talk a little bit about Google in the last 10 minutes. The bonus content will be on the mail right YouTube channel. 
Okay. And uh, of course, if you're tuned into Facebook or whatever, you can find it on both of our Facebook pages. Thank you for, uh, thank you for spending some time with us. We appreciate it.